So here is a proverb. A proverb that would be true, generally, not always true. This isn't a law, it's a proverb. It says this, whoever, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. That's it. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. The significance and relevance of a short proverb like this has a scope and a breadth and a, and a width that reaches so many parts of life. If you desire to live a happy life, this proverb is for you. If you desire to have an honest and content marriage, then this proverb's for you. That if you desire to conceal your transgressions, you will not prosper. But if you confess them and forsake them, that you will find mercy. If you desire to have good friendships in your life, create meaningful friendships that could last a lifetime, that can be maintained through the ebbs and flows of life, then this proverb is for you. If you desire to have an intact family, then this proverb is for you. If you desire to walk more closely with the Lord, if you desire to have greater fellowship with God, then this proverb is for you. If we desire to see us as a church prosper, if we desire to see this church as a small image of what heaven will be one day, then this proverb is for us. See, proverbs are general truths. They're not Euclid's axiomatic geometry. It's not as though you simply just plug in a few coordinates or a few axioms, principles, truths, and then just run the numbers. You, it doesn't work that way. Proverbs are general truths. They are things that, that line deeply in the way that God had made the world by its nature. Now, there are always going to be exceptions to these truths. Proverbs are like well-worn paths in the woods. Now, you can get from point A to point B in those woods many different ways. It's not as though this proverb is the only truth. But it is a well-worn path. It is a very good way to navigate the woods of life. That if we line ourselves to this truth, we are tapping in to something pretty deep, fundamentally true, base level truth to the way the world works.
The way the world works vertically in our relation to God, the way the world works horizontally in our relation to one another, you cannot avoid this truth. That if we do not confess our sins, we will not prosper generally, by and large, and absolutely true in final judgment. The actual end of the age. The all of eternity. The eschaton. But you can get by. But you won't prosper nearly as well. The problem with all this is that we naturally desire, we desire to conceal our transgressions. Who, who wants, like, this is the most frightful thought experiment. It's one thing to stand up here and address and to have everyone looking and then know that when you say that dumb thing, they're going to say, that was dumb. And you're like, you're right, that was dumb. And I took a shot at it. But when you have the people uh, thinking about what you're saying, you could potentially say something stupid. That is frightful. It's a, it's, you get past it, whatever. Now let me tell you something just terrifying. Terrifying. I mean terrifying. If all your sins could be listed right now with your name on that screen, that is petrifying. That is petrifying. If the thoughts of your mind could be played as a videotape, and I could press the button now, and there it is. You would not stay in this room. You would leave quickly. It is scary, scary to have our sins exposed. Petrifying. It's so scary that we barely are comfortable exposing our own sins to ourselves what we call a conscience. We suppress our consciences with what we know should be right because it is so nerving and unsettling to even entertain these thoughts, let alone actually have them exposed out for others to see because they will be harsher critics than you would be with yourself. It's one thing even for God to know. It's another thing for people to know you. You can't always assume the same kind of goodness the other way. So here is the problem, is that if we don't do the very thing we never want to do, which is reveal our sins, the other problem is saying, if we don't do that, we will not prosper. So we're at a rock and a hard place. You do the very thing that you would hate to do, confessing your sin, exposing it, but if you don't do that, you won't prosper. That's a, that's a hard place to be. This is the pivot in which this proverb leads us. And now, there are four things we'll look at to say this with a proverb. The beautiful thing of a proverb is you can just take it any direction you want. And here's the direction we'll go uh, this morning. We will not prosper in four fundamental ways if we don't take this proverb seriously. First, we will not prosper in our fellowship with God and men. It will not happen. We will not prosper there. We won't prosper in our progress in godliness. We will not become more like Jesus if we don't take this proverb seriously. We will not prosper in the mission of this church if we do not take this proverb seriously. And we will not prosper at the final judgment. We will not prosper what Jesus calls the final judgment unless this proverb is taken seriously. 
See, there is a need or a desire to conceal our sins. And if we conceal our sins, we're told that we would not prosper at all. Particularly in relation to God or in relation to men. God clouds his face like much of today's weather. There are times in our spiritual life in which you sense that the clouds have fallen. The way the scriptures define it is that the heavens have turned to brass. That God has cut himself off. That your prayers seem not to reach. That your experience of the presence of the goodness of God is not there. That the music you sing means nothing to you. When you open up the scriptures, it's just ink on a page. It seems as though there's no spiritual relation to anything you do when you approach the Lord. This is what's called God hiding his face. And God chooses to hide his face. Only out of love as a good father that he would distance himself from you. If you are out of his accord, if you are living contrary to his nature, he will distance himself from you to discipline you. And if we do not learn to immediately say, I confess my sin so that I might find your face, then you won't find his face. I'm not saying your salvation rests on this. We're talking about the difference between forensic forgiveness and familial forgiveness. You are forensically forgiven. That is, you are perfectly righteous and justified in Jesus Christ. And you are adopted into the family. And then from being in the family, your relationship with the Father can wax and wane. Depending on how serious we take this verse. That it would actually be the case that if you do conceal your sin, your prosperity, the word there for prosperity has to do with rushing, rushing on, rushing forward, progress. The progress in your relationship with God will suffer. You will not prosper. You will not progress if you conceal your sin before him. He will hide his face. This is the message, John says, that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. Light. And in him there is no darkness at all. That is, everything is exposed to him as clear as day. Now, if he says, if we say we have fellowship, that is, We have fellowship with our Father. If we have fellowship with Him, we will not walk in darkness. But if we walk in darkness, it's because we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, like a a wellspring that cannot run dry, is always there to cleanse us of our sins. So the question is, what does it mean when when John is saying that we should walk in the light? Walking in the light is confessing our sin. For if we say we walk in darkness, he's saying this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So all you have to do is say, I don't have sin in this matter. That is, you're doing exactly the opposite of what the proverb says. You're concealing your transgressions. If you conceal your transgressions, in other words, saying, I have no sin, John says, you are deceiving yourself. The truth is not in you. You're walking in darkness i.e. God, the beautiful radiance of the glory of the face of Jesus Christ in the scriptures mediated by the Holy Spirit has been clouded from you. You have lied to yourself. You are in sin. You've concealed your sin. You've not exposed your sin. Therefore, you cannot prosper. God has clouded his face from you. You are not in the light right now. You are in the darkness. But if you turn, confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all sins, and the light comes back. 
God exposed his face to you. You come to him in prayer and it means something. You feel something of the glory and the goodness of his grace, the warmth of his presence, the smile of his face, because you simply expose yourself before him. And he will expose himself to you. That is beautiful. This is the promise given to us. If we do not take this seriously, that we conceal our sins, if we conceal our sins, we will not prosper. If we do not take that seriously, we're told that concealing our sins, we will not prosper in godliness. Here's an amazing thing. 1 Timothy 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, to the teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars, whose conscience were seared. Whose consciences were seared. If we claim to confess that we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we walk like the Lord Jesus Christ, it's like the expression, those shoes are some pretty big shoes to fill. Have you ever heard that expression? I'm sure. It's when somebody is taking on a role or filling in some office or some position of someone who went before them, who was way more qualified, way more gifted, way more intelligent, way more strong, powerful, virtuous in whatever way, that whatever they did, man, those are some big shoes to fill. Now we have to realize that we as Christians are saying, I am walking in the shoes, the sandals, of Christ. Christ Jesus. And those are some big shoes to feel. Now the only way we could do this is if we confess our sins. Because we will not walk like the Lord Jesus. We can promise that from the beginning. We will not walk like him. Do you think it was without chance that Jesus would walk everywhere and do miracles and bind demons and all these great things? He was living with a level of holiness and godliness as an incarnate God, but man who actually could entertain the answers to prayers from God and wisdom and knowing how to pursue situations that you and I are not operating in. But yet we claim to follow Jesus And anyone who follows, Jesus says, anyone who follows a master is a disciple of a master we brought up to be just like him. And that's our goal. Now, if you're wearing shoes that are too big for you, what you notice is that back, the heel, it just rubs. It rubs and it's annoying and it hurts and you get uh, brush burn, you get raw flesh, raw skin, blisters. Right? That is your life and mine. That's where we live. We are wearing Christ Jesus' shoes. We are not living up to the expectations. These shoes are way too big for us. And what we feel in our conscience is this conflict. There is Christ, holiness, goodness, and everything right. And this is me, the way I'm living my life, claiming to follow him. Hypocritically so, to some level or degree. And what happens is we get a rub. And we feel the blister forming. Now, this is the pivotal point. This is where Paul was warning that if you mess with your conscience, it is though you are like searing it with a branding iron and those nerves will die. So when you feel the rub, when you feel that the shoes aren't fitting, that they're too big for your feet, and you start to develop blisters, there's only two options. Confess the sin. Confess the sin. Say, no, no, no. I am not living like Jesus Christ. 
The standard of Jesus has not changed. I have to change. Therefore, I confess that now. You do that, you maintain sensitivity. You maintain the reality of knowing the disparaging situation in which you live. If you do not, if we do not confess our sins, we will not prosper in godliness. We will lie to ourselves. We will let those blisters turn to calluses. And when calluses fully form, you don't even know that you're not wearing the wrong shoes. You have no sensation, no feeling in the back of your heels, and you're just flipping around in these shoes, and you look ridiculous. And you are living such a contrary life to Christ. But since we would not be willing to confess our sins regularly and not let the holiness of Christ and his standard change, we are not sensitive. Our consciences have been seared. Our back of our heels have turned to calluses, and we do not sense our sin. But if we confess our sin, we grow in godliness. We prosper. If we don't confess our sins, we as a church would not prosper. We have to think about that. Here's an amazing story from Joshua 7. It's, it's one of the most definitive stories on what this all means for us as a church, people of God. In Joshua 7... We're told that sin, unconfessed, undealt with, has implications that we cannot measure. So when people say that if you live your life this way and I live my life that way, well, we're just going to have to live different ways. It's, it's ignoring the fact that there is only one God who made it all. And he accounts for everything. And that sin over here relates to something that's going to happen over here. So in Joshua, they're told that they should go take the land. They were given promised land, and they were to take the land militarily. They were told that the nation there now was corrupted, evil, and had to be removed. And so in Joshua 7, Joshua approaches a city, a small city called Ai. It wasn't very large. She said, I will only set aside maybe 3,000 or so people to go take this city. And what happens is the soldiers go, they lose, they flee, they run. Shouldn't have happened. They just had a tremendous victory, which this one seemed like a very small victory that should just take a a short time. And they lost the battle. And it didn't make sense. And Joshua, the commander of the army, feeling as though he had a bad order, that he shouldn't have said it the way he did, he's going to rip his clothes Be mournful, fall on his face, pray before the Lord, and ask the Lord, what went wrong? Why did we lose? Why did we not prosper? Why did this war, this battle not succeed? And God answers his prayer quickly. He says, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Next sentence. Israel has sinned. Israel has sinned. She's transgressed the covenant. She's taken and stolen devoted things that were mine. That's why. And he says this, God said to him particularly, Therefore, these people cannot stand before their enemies. Because of sin in the camp. Sin in the assembly. Think about that. Think about that. Because of, like... There's a 
objective and subjective experience to worship. If you have been walking with the Lord for six days, and you come into church on Sunday morning to worship, God could be speaking and revealing himself to your heart in wonderful ways. And the person in the next pew over could be thinking, this song sounds terrible. But they had a very different week than you as well. See, those things play into us as a church. There are some times you can read through church history where people come together to worship and out of God's good grace and mercy, a tremendous revival breaks out. Now that's God's good grace and mercy and we in no way can try to finagle that or make it happen by our own. But we are told some pretty general principles, some pretty proverbial principles that if we would remove this stuff from us, we would see remarkable things together as a church. What you do on Wednesday affects Sunday. And so what happens is Joshua rose early the next morning. What's concealed is always revealed. It's an amazing image. What happens? He rises early. God tells him, I will draw the sin out by casting lots. God controls lots. He controls molecules. He controls the wind, the waves, and the seas, and the clouds. And so here they cast lots. And he brought all Israel together. The whole nation assembled. And he brought them out tribe by tribe. And he cast lots, and the lot landed upon the tribe of Judah, one of the twelve tribes of Israel. And he brought near all the clans in Judah. Large, Mishpachah is the word, a very large people group inside of a tribe. And he brought them all out, and he cast lots, and it fell to a particular clan. And then he brought that clan, just that one alone, and it fell to a particular man. It says, Zabdi. And then he took him, all of his household, his children's children, his nephews, everyone there, and cast lots one more time. And it fell to a man named Achan. And he was the one. He was the one who took and stole from God. He was the one. And and Joshua comes to him and says, tell me, what have you done? Do Do not hide it. Do not do exactly what we're saying. Do not conceal your transgressions. Do not hide it from me. What have you done? And he says, well, I took gold and silver and all these things and I dug a hole inside my tent and I put them under there. And I didn't think anyone would know. I didn't think it was a big deal. I definitely didn't think we'd lose a battle over it. Everything that we try to conceal, is that not petrifying to know that God could simply just keep rolling dice to just find the exact person in a whole nation that is guilty? Everything we try to conceal, it's going to be revealed. This one image, this story, is that it cannot be taken away. You might dig it into the ground. You might dig it into the lowest depths of your subconscious. You cannot hide that. You cannot hide that. And so it was exposed. Us as a church... Who here has ever seen anyone come to Christ because of your sharing the gospel or preaching it? 
That happens every Wednesday for me. Does it? Could we not win more battles, maybe, if we just put away all our sins? Could we not prosper? Do we not realize we are at war with the flesh, the devil, and the world? There are so many things opposed to Christ. And we wonder, well, why isn't so-and-so? I'm trying to bring them along in the Lord and they keep backsliding. Or I'm trying to do this ministry and it never seems to happen. It always flounders. There's a chance maybe God doesn't want that to happen. There's a chance that maybe we can't win battles because we are not confessing our sins. That's also an option. And so here is a warning that if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, we could prosper. But if we conceal our sins, we are promised. We will not prosper. And then Jesus' greatest warning, greatest warning, in Luke 12, he says this, if we conceal our sins, we will not prosper even down to the final judgment. Jesus came to his disciples and he said, now beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And leaven was the metaphor Jesus used to describe their hypocrisy. The fact that they had a lot of calluses on their sandal-wearing feet and they think they're walking like God and they're not walking like God very well at all because they're not confessing their sins and dealing with things. And so therefore he says, don't be like them. Do not be hypocritical like them. We're all hypocritical. Some just say we are and some don't. That's the only difference. People say, I don't want to go to church. There's a bunch of hypocrites. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. That's the truth. But there's only two types of hypocrites. Those hypocrites who confess their sin and those hypocrites who don't. That's the only real difference. That's the only real difference. And so Jesus says, don't be like them. See, he says this. His warning is, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. Therefore, whatever you have, like, that image of a screen, that's me just being creative. Here's Jesus' words. Whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. Whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Those off words that you say, mumbling it under your breath, whatever you whisper, those things that you thought were secret conversations behind closed doors, on top of rooftops, It will not be hidden. So the proverb is saying, do not fight this. It's all coming out into the light. Jesus is speaking about the final judgment. There will be a great white throne. And everything will be exposed. The solution is only one. We need to confess our sins. That's the only solution. There's no way to hide it. If we confess and forsake, it says confess and forsake. That's proper confession. Not just saying, oh, I shouldn't have done that. No, I shouldn't have done that. And I'm never going to do that again by God's grace. And when I do it next week, I'm going to confess it again. But you keep fighting it. You don't give it in. Confess and forsake our transgressions. We're promised we will obtain mercy. Obtain mercy from God. Now here, he says, if we, the proper confession, if we confess our transgressions, that is not saying that simply all we have to say is, God, I'm a sinner. We would all say that. That's great. Now, I commit sins with an S, plural. What are they? 
What are they? The particular sins particularly. Deal with those. As, as soon as your mind comes to a conscious knowledge of something wrong, do not sit on it for a second. Take it immediately to God in prayer and confess it there and deal with it there and bring it out. Do not hide it. If you go long enough saying, well, I'll deal with that eventually, or I might get around to that, that, that pricking thought in the back of my mind, I just let that go long enough. No, no, no. Confess it now. Get it out now because what you do, what we do, and hey, I might know this from my personal experience. I'm sorry to always make the sermon about myself. I hate when pastors do that. But at this point, I will. I know how to mess up my own conscience. Thank you very much. I do it regularly. Right? If you ignore that, you got these back rooms in your mind. They're very, very small, little. They're not junk drawers they're the kind of rooms when you swing the door open, you can't open it because there's so much stuff in there. You need, you need to just deal with it immediately. Just cleanse it immediately. Confess it particularly. Choose to conceal and confess our sins is the only way to approach this. The option is that and that alone. And so here, as we come to a close, look at this. Revelation is the key. There's a final book of scripture called Revelation. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is when Jesus Christ reveals things to the church, but also in the image of the book of Revelation, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. There is a picture that John is given of Jesus on his throne. He is revealed in all his glory and splendor. There is a hue of light, and, and there is um, a, a rainbow of multivariate colors of all of God's beautiful spectrums of grace and hues of mercy, and all the creatures in all the world are worshiping him. And Jesus is revealed. Let's talk about public speaking. Revelation 6. Jesus is on his throne. And we're told that John sees this. He says, all around the throne, on each side of the throne, were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature looked like a lion. The second, an ox. The third had the face of a man. And the fourth, like an eagle. Now each of them had six wings. But uniquely, he repeats himself to say, they were full of eyes all around. Like the north, south, east, and west, there are four creatures that stand on all four possible perspectives to the throne. And to get to the Lord of glory, the one of which whom Jesus says, what is said in the dark will be exposed to the light. What is said in a private room will be proclaimed on the housetops. You get to that throne and everything comes out. But even to get to that throne, you have to pass these creatures who have eyes all around. More eyes than if we were to add them all to this room. And if the pressure of having people look at you makes you uncomfortable... To even approach the Lord of glory, you have to get to these creatures that stare at you, piercing through you. The image of eyes is that they see you. They know you. They can look at you from all these perspectives and angles. And they're not even the Lord of glory yet. And they're frightening. They're worse than the first third grade public speech you ever had to give. It's petrifying to approach these eye-covered creatures that see you. And yet we're told that even before the throne of glory, all will be exposed. Whatever is revealed now 
will be concealed. But whatever is concealed will have to be revealed. These are the only two ways we can live. At some point, your sins will be exposed. If you conceal your sins, it will be revealed. If you reveal your sins, they will be concealed. And that is the beauty, the promises of the gospel. That the one truth is this. You have option A or option B. Option A is your sins are exposed. Or option B is your sins are exposed. There's no option. That's it. Now you get one shot. One decision now to say how would you like them to be exposed. And this, if this doesn't cause you to love our Lord, how would you like your sins to be exposed? That's another question. Jesus says, your sins are getting exposed, but how would you like them to be exposed now? If you confess your sins, they will be covered. Proverb, Psalm 32, he says this, blessed, blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. And here's the phrase, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, whose spirit has no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My conscience was feeling the pressure of hypocritical living. My strength was dried up as in the heat of summer. I had no passion for the Lord. How many people are lukewarm Christians? Why? Well, maybe if they didn't feel so dang hypocritical, they'd be more passionate for the Lord. How do you deal with that? First, get out of the heat of God's pressure, the hand upon your back. And he says, if I acknowledge my sins to you, and I did not cover my iniquity, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sins. So he starts off by saying, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. But he ends by saying, I acknowledge my sin and I did not cover my iniquity. See, I chose not to cover my iniquity. I confessed it. And then you, Lord, you, Jesus, you covered my iniquity. I exposed it just for a second. Not everyone has to see. At the throne, it doesn't have to make it. On this screen, it could be black. I expose my sin to you now. And don't you realize his whole life was for this transaction? That he would be able to take his own life and just roll his own body all over your sin and it's gone, covered, really covered, really covered. Adam and Eve sinned and they took their fig leaves and they sewed them together to cover their nakedness. And it was pitiful and ridiculous. And then God slaughtered an animal and took that hide of the animal to properly cover their body. And do you realize that your sins will have to be exposed either now and then covered by the blood of Jesus or exposed for all to see in front of those very terrifying creatures with eyes. If we conceal our sins, we will not progress. If we confess our sins, and forsake them. We will find mercy. And they will be covered again. Never to be seen. This is the glory of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father. Lord we thank you. This straightforward word. 
Lord, that we know you've given us this great promise. And we know, Lord, that this is such a good gospel. What a good word. That if we would expose now anything you put upon our mind from now to the end of our very life, and even the things we're ignorant of, it is all under your blood. But Lord, let our consciences be free. Let us live before your face. Let us enjoy the glory of your grace and confess our sins freely. Let us be free to expose them all to you. You who do not spare your own son. How much more would you not freely give us all things? How eagerly and quickly would you want to hide all of our shame and everything we'd never wish to see? Oh Lord, help us to confess our sins and win the battle you've called us to fight. In Jesus' name.